We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the Wombo Combo Podcast on a Wednesday evening. A little unique here, middle of the week podcast. Obviously, there's a lot going on right now, so things got postponed on myself. I had some casting to do with the major qualifiers. That's We're going to talk about that plenty here on this podcast. And then later this week, the minor qualifiers, of course, both tomorrow and Friday will resume. So, yeah, a big week goes without saying. Of course, on top of all of that, we do have the new patch that everyone's playing out. We'll definitely give our insight there later on in the show as well. But I'm Bricky CBK, of course, joined by my beautiful co-host, Banana Slam Jamma. How's it going, man? I'm beautiful. Uh, I'm doing good, man. Uh, just watching a bit of the qualifiers here. Uh, obviously, the EG versus Fighting Pandas yeah. for the last NA slot for the majors going on right now. So we're going to know the result of that possibly by the end of this podcast if EG were to take a 2-0. But I, uh, I'm i just loving the new patch. I've lost like 500 MMR so far. So uh, I am playing a new role overall because uh, I'm playing a tournament coming up uh, as an offlaner. So it's been rough to adjust to a new patch as offlane because a lot of the heroes that are like – coming into the meta like Venomancer, potentially these Batriders. I haven't really played them too much uh, in the offlane prior to now, so it's been a rough adjustment period, but overall loving the new patch, all the wonky stuff going on, and uh, just nice to have a nice refreshing Dota that we talked about wanting to have last week. Yeah, it's we we gave our predictions, I guess you could say, in, in a sense of what the patch would be. And I think one of the biggest things we were certainly right on was the idea of some kind of new uh, new thing to go for, new, new new objective. That's what I was looking for, new objective within the game, uh, whether it was a new Roshan even or something extreme like that. And, well, they, they, there definitely was a new objective implemented uh, with the Outpost specifically, of course. And it certainly has made the game extra interesting and uh, that on top of the neutral items I mean th there really is a lot there to talk about I don't want to get there is. too much into it you can watch Purge's nine hour plus podcast that he did <laughs> if yeah if you really want to hear a lot of talking about that then I'm sure there's plenty of material outside of this podcast uh, for exactly that by the way the tournament that you're talking about you're, you're WESG right yeah, it's WSG. It's you know like that the, I'm going to be there, right? Did, did you know that? Are you really? Yeah. Are you like the official caster? I'm going to be casting it. Yeah, myself. Nice, myself nice. I did not know that. Elevated and uh, tsunami. We're all. Oh, okay, cool. There. Well, there you go. Yeah, so I, I guess I will be seeing Small you soon enough. 
over there in uh, Montreal. Looking forward to that. Uh, anywho, uh, but enough about us. This isn't about us necessarily. We, there, there's, of course, the major qualifiers. As you mentioned, EG and FP, in fact, as we're recording this podcast live, is currently playing in their game number two with EG up one nothing. But um, all the regions to go over. That's what we're going to do. And later on in the show, in fact, uh, hopefully within the next five to ten minutes here, we're going to be joined by Insania from Team Liquid, a captain, of course. And uh, spoiler alert, Liquid going undefeated in the European region in the major qualifiers. I did not see that coming as much of a Liquid fan I am. Uh, but, hey, it's a new patch, and I think it's fair to say that they like it. Obviously, we'll talk to Insania uh, about uh, his thoughts there of their success and, of course, the patch in general. But, uh, yeah, quick thoughts yourself, BSJ, on, uh, on Liquid success? Uh, sadly, I didn't get to watch them at all during these qualifiers, but during the last major, they looked a lot more solid. And I was talking to Blitz back when we were there at ESL, and like I, I, he he basically didn't seem nervous for them, even though I was uh, that they were going to be able to make you know a turnaround like they have. Uh, he said that they're just a bunch of pub fiends, and if they're not spamming pubs, then they suck. That's basically what he said. And but prior to the ESL, they hadn't been playing all that many pubs because they were taking a small break after TI. And clearly, he was right because their success. I mean, they seem like a wild card type team, and they're probably the type of team that benefits from a new patch and just kind of doing their own thing when everyone else isn't exactly refined. Because Liquid does create a lot of chaos. They do just like taking a ton of mid-game skirmishes. And I think overall, they're one of the harder teams to play against. And I think in new patches, that benefits you because the other teams are usually, I mean, almost every team is, you know, less methodical with their picks, with their approach to the game, all that kind of stuff, because they don't know exactly what's the best and exactly, uh, you know, what to play on the map. I mean, even like we just said with the outposts and stuff, those add so much nuance to map movements, map control, and a team like Liquid, who's kind of just all over the place, I think flourishes in that kind of setting. And it's really cool to see that they, I mean, that's just really, that's, that's a hard region to go 10-0 and 0 yeah. in the qualifiers. You so, think so? Yeah. It's uh, it's it's crazy again to, to see that that's what they did. But um, stick with that European region a little bit more. Of course, there's some other storylines there. The other two teams qualify were both secret. Not a massive surprise there. They did end up dropping one game in the group stages to Viking.gg. A little bit interesting there. But again, a new patch. I certainly think you have to kind of keep reiterating and keep in mind as there are other results elsewhere. And definitely we'll talk about those here coming up that uh, certainly were surprising, no doubt. But then secret had to defeat Nigma two games to one of course that's a new ex liquid squad karaoke and crew uh, but then Alliance actually beat Nigma in the third place match to send Alliance to the major and Nigma is having to compete in the minor qualifiers now but as we mentioned I mean it, this is a very tough region of course one of the best there's no secret there it's it, you know they got three spots and I think that's not a big surprise to us necessarily um, but uh, you feel like is this maybe Nigma in the sense of not really having the most playtime together in that tournament atmosphere? Are there excuses to be made here? Is Alliance, were they just the better team? I, th I think there's a lot of factors. I think Alliance and Liquid are both just, when I say Alliance and Liquid specifically, it's kind of like we, I think most people expected Nigma as well as Secret to be two of the three slots. So the fact that Liquid and Alliance are both making it through over Nigma is kind of the highlight uh, of the story to be told here. I think that with so many factors like the new patch, I think Alliance and Liquid are not bad teams by any stretch. Uh, that those things combined with the fact that Nigma's also like took a tournament off, they're not going to be as as in peak form as the other teams are. You know, like their peak form relative to what they could be. You know, in comparison to what they are, is going to be different. So, because of the fact that they didn't play together, I'm not going to look too much into it. I, I mean, they just got second place at TI you know, with that same roster yeah. and obviously Kuroki, one of the best captains in the world. I expect them to get top two at the minor, if not win it. And then, uh, you know, go from there. Uh, I'm not too concerned about them. I, I, I think if they were to lose to a team less worthy than liquid or Alliance, I might have a little cause for concern, but new patches, so many things can go wrong or right. Uh, that it's not surprising to see all these high place finishers at the last major struggling to even get back to the major yeah so it's it's I, that, that's what our goal was with the new patch though right and that's why new patches are always so interesting because uh it's it, it makes the pro scene 
and in Dota in general, just much less predictable. A lot of parody, and that's as a spectator, we certainly appreciate that. So again, the the patch definitely playing its role. I will say, Enigma, yes, losing into Alliance, maybe not that crazy considering their their very recent success. Uh, but they they did have to play a tiebreaker match actually against Adfinum. Uh, Adfinum, of course, coming off losing Madara, who ended up going elsewhere. Nataki stepping in, a Swedish player, not as familiar, but he steps in with the four Greeks, and they. Take Nigma again, essentially to a tiebreaker match. Ultimately, Nigma did win that, of course. But Adfinum may be one of the bigger surprises overall, even of the European stages, as they will now be playing in the minor qualifiers with Nigma, as well as uh, Viking.gg and whoever else right there. So uh, that's something else to look forward to when it comes to the European minor qualifiers and Adfinum. But Nigma, no doubt, is the expected team, and I do think that okay, especially now with the, you've had this major play, and I know it's only you know one double. In, double elimination tournament even with the minor qualifiers for them but Nigma should win the minor qualifiers they, they should be the top dogs there and that to me would is where it'd be okay you know what, what's going on here they need to step it up but obviously that's still to come and of course you can even make a run to the minor then and then you still qualify for the major on top of that so I, I, I do have those high expectations there for Nigma, as you mentioned they are the runner up after all when it comes to TI but uh a little bit of a hiccup, not surprisingly, though, early on here. Um, something else. Okay, so, so let's kind of rewind a little bit. As I was hoping this would kind of lead into our guest, but unfortunately, I haven't heard from him just yet. So waiting for uh, waiting to hear from Insania to be uh, good to go there to bring him on. But going back a little bit, so we're talking about the European qualifiers. We're talking about Enigma. Um, they're one of these teams that had to go through the open qualifiers. So there, there's a couple of talking points here that I want to go over, BSJ, and that the first one being, you know, we talked about LGD, Secret, um, Nigma, as we're known now, and OG all did not play the first cycle. And as we come to find out, that means they had to then play the open qualifiers if they wanted to compete in the future cycles, which that in itself, uh, I, I was personally a little bit caught off guard by, but the more I thought about it, I actually I like the idea because it it really it helps break up one season to the next in my opinion and I'm all for yes you know for the sake of competition making sure you do have the top tier competition there but when teams willingly take off a cycle when other teams are grinding and competing that is their decision and if that means that then the penalty is they have to play through an onslaught of best of ones into a final best of three then in my mind so be it and that's obviously what these teams have to do and we did see that come as a factor specifically for lgd who got knocked out in the china qualifiers uh, og by the way did not compete as if you probably are aware by now they actually sent a secondary team and i guess you could say an og seed players like z freak chessy and crew they ended up losing to nick in the final match in a best of the three. Uh, but again, that, that's what happens when you don't play in the first cycle. So a lot, a lot there, but I guess starting with the idea that these teams had to play through the open qualifiers, I personally like to see it being that it breaks up the season a little bit more and it kind of punishes them for not competing in the first cycle. What do you think? Yeah, it's funny. I had this discussion with my roommate of like when I found out that LGD got eliminated. Um, so this is a topic that I am very passionate about because as a player who's got to go through a lot of like open qualifiers and close qualifiers in my day and coming up short sometimes, it's uh, pretty demoralizing. And I just want to say that my goal for mini qualifier is that the best competition gets in. And I think there has to be a balance like, you know, three, four years ago, the major tournaments would have, you know, say 12 teams and eight of them were invites. And I think that that's bad. I think that that's unhealthy for the scene because that doesn't allow anyone to prove themselves in order to make it through. Uh, but this year or this specific set of qualifiers, they used to have two sets of opens. And I don't know exactly what happened, but there was only one set of opens. Mm -hmm. So you're telling me that a team like LGD is forced to go through opens and then there's they lose one best of one and they're out and their entire run at the major is, is gone because of one best of one? Like, to me, that's insane. Like that, That's insanity. Like, like, to go from what we did, like what I said three years ago, which was a problem, mm -hmm. To what it is now, I, I mean, I'm just not a believer in this idea that 
these teams should have to prove themselves over and over again. Yes, it was their choice to uh, skip the last cycle, but Valve also gave them two weeks between TI and the next set of qualifiers. So it's like, I also think that's partially a problem with the system. If I was Valve, rather than being like, I'm going to punish these teams for not playing in the qualifier, wow, the six best teams in the world decided not to play our qualifier. Maybe we made it too early. <laughs> like maybe it's us yeah. rather than the other team. And, you know, there's arguments on both sides. Uh, I'm always in general as a player, or at least having formerly been a regular team or tournament participating player, I'm always going to side on the, on the player side uh, on a lot of these arguments. I just think quality of life wise as, as a professional at the highest level, I can only imagine what it's like to be them. I can only tell you from my perspective, it's a grind, man. It's it can be miserable, and like sure. you just need to. You're it's almost like you're in a submarine when you're when you're a professional Dota player, and you just don't really get to come up for air. Like you're just living in this isolated bubble where you're cut off from the outside world in a lot of ways because you're just playing so much Dota. Even for me, the last week I was planning on streaming yesterday. And I was streamed like 12 to 10 to 12 hours every day because the new patch came out, more viewers, like new stuff to try. And I realized I was like, holy crap, like I need a breather. Like I, I just needed to take yesterday off because, I, you know, I almost felt out of touch with reality. And I, I know that's why these players do it because they know it even better than I do. And to have that be, I don't want to say like punished, but all like, you know, not encouraged to have like in a life outside of Dota, I think is overall a bad system. And I, I'm adamantly against what is being promoted as like the norm for competitive esports right now, and at least in, in Dota. So, because I don't, I don't pay attention close enough to the other ones. So, yeah. I, so I know I had a long tidbit there, but uh, definitely had a passionate response. Well, so I guess a couple of uh, responses to that. One being. The idea that that was a topic that was brought up, it's a grind. And I, I, I completely understand that. And that is a discussion definitely that needs to be had because I do agree the little bit of time in between, well, as you said, it, I guess it was two weeks, is a, is a little ridiculous, especially coming off, you know, this massive Super Bowl-esque event in our case, International. I will say, though, those teams were rewarded. They got paid literally millions of dollars for their placement at said TI and as a conclusion, in a sense, to that season. A lot of these other teams, most of these other teams were not rewarded because whether they just didn't place high enough or whatever yet. And I understand that means, you know, for a lot of these teams, they didn't necessarily have to play TI right beforehand, but they too, you know, it starts at the same time for everyone and they're back at it again for a new season. So I, I guess for me, per, I'm, not, I'm not as sympathetic towards the players in that sense, but I do think that, yes, the discussion should be had that more of a off season is certainly something that uh, that that should be discussed and and possibly you know if it is a month long or whatever it's deemed to be i am fine with that but the players knew that wasn't going to be the case i mean and it goes to it as well this idea they took it off they also knew that a patch was coming it's not like that was a secret either they knew that a patch was coming it was very likely going to happen after the first cycle finished. So when they took that first cycle off, they knew that there was a very, very, very good chance that they would have to play, you know, in craziness. Obviously, they didn't know how big the patch would be, but uh, it ended up being pretty big. And I and the, my last point is I, I do feel like it's almost a little results oriented because of the fact that LGD did get knocked out. Yes, it's best of one, but I, I still would expect a team like LGD to be able to defeat a lesser tier team throughout these open qualifiers. They didn't have to play, you know, Invictus, VG Gaming, whatever. Um, best of one, not necessarily how Dota should be played, but a team like that of that caliber. Wasn't ideally. it just like a Magnus or something? Wasn't it some cheese pick or Meepo? I, I, like, I believe so, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, that's what I'm saying, though, is like Dota, like, if you know, for anyone at the highest level, they know they're like, like, I've taken games off of tier one teams before, like with my like tier three NA teams, like, it happens, you know, and the, my point is uh, overall, my my overall emphasis is for the betterment of the scene, people want to watch the best competition possible and you want yeah. the chance for there to be upsets, but you also want there to be within reason of like what that chance is. And I think that right now the balance is way too heavy 
against the tier one teams. Like in the past, like if you won a major, you just get invited to the next one. And it's like now if you win the major, that literally means nothing towards the next major cycle. Sure. Like I, I honestly think the first, like the top three at the previous major should just go to the next major. Like I, I think that that's like I personally would argue that much. And then you can like eliminate, you know, one slot from like instead of giving, you know, uh, by selection, China, Europe, and one other region a third slot, you know, you just give everyone two slots and then you like let the top three teams come back. You know, like all, all I'm saying is that in general, like if you combine everything, like if you really think about it, if you combine everything, there is no break. If you slip up one day as like a tier one team, you're out of the next cycle. And that to me is not a good environment. Like that is not a positive. I want teams to be able to prove themselves, but I like it's just going to result in better Dota, I think, if your players are happy. It's like, I don't know how else to word it than like, obviously, I'm not sympathetic in the sense of like, yeah, they made millions of dollars, like, what was them or whatever. I'm not thinking like, what was them? I want the scene to be as healthy as possible where we get all the best teams, yeah. all promoting the viewership. I want the players to be happy, the teams to be happy. And obviously, if it's like Valve is sacrificing something to do that, it's a little bit different. Well, all we're asking for is, you know, a, br- a a slight like quality of life improvement for the schedule of the of the yeah. of the season, and I'm good to go. You know, like that's the thing that I think a lot of the players are so frustrated with. And like, if your players are like complaining about the cycle, why is it being even worse now? Like, I feel like people were playing complaining about the gruel, like the, much, just yeah. the constant grueling of the schedule last year, and now it's even more. I that that's all right. Like I, I I completely agree with you on a lot of your points. I just I just want to emphasize that the reason why I'm so upset about it is because I think a lot of it's easily fixable or adjustable, and it's just like kind of just being neglected amongst like a lot of other things in Dota and Valve in general. So uh, I've given my piece. Like I can see the other perspective. Like I I've, I think there's a lot of sides to this argument, and you know I I just want to emphasize the player's perspective that even if they're making a lot of money, if they're not enjoying themselves, it's just going to be, when I say enjoying themselves, they're obviously working hard. Like we're talking quality of life things, you know, if they're not in like happy to compete in tournaments regularly, that's just going to naturally be bad for the scene. And that's not what I want. With holiday rushes here, you have to be able to ship orders out quickly, efficiently and affordably. But how do you keep track of all those orders, decide which shipping carrier to use, or if you're getting the best rates? Luckily, ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door. And delivered in time for the holidays. Take the hassle out of the holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease. Just use my offer code, BLUE, to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shopping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation. Make ship happen. As a special offer for fans of the show, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets. When you go to harrys.com slash bluewire, plus you'll get a free shipping. Each Harry's shaving set comes with a weighted handle, five blade razor cartridges, foaming shave gel for a rich lather, travel cover to protect your blades, packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. Free shipping ends on December 16th. So act now, just go to harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire. Looking for a great gift for someone in your life? Guys often get dull, cliche gifts like socks, wallets, and ties. Harry's is a gift that's both thoughtful and practical. Listeners of the show can get $5 off any Harry's shave set by heading to harrys.com slash bluewire. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. Harry's makes a perfect gift for guys. It's a great deal for you and for him. Holiday sets start at just $20. That's within Secret Santa limits. And Harry's blade refills are as low as $2 each, so your guy will save money over time. It comes 
becomes ready to gift in a handsome holiday gift box and your gift gives back, 1% of each sale will be donated to charitable organizations. As a special offer for fans of the show, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets, when you go to harrys.com slash bluewire. Plus, you'll get free shipping. Each Harry shaving set comes with a weighted handle with option to engrave, five blade razor cartridges, foaming shave gel for a rich lather, travel cover to protect your blades, packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. Just go to harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire. It looks like Insania is ready uh, nice. to join us. So I'm going to bring him to on. Managed to bullshit long enough to <laughs> buy time for that one. There we go. He did it. Uh, unfortunately, he doesn't have a webcam. Okay, so, oh, oh, here we go. Oh, I did have to. There we go. I had to make a new Hello. call there. Insania, you there? Yes, sir. How are you, man? I'm doing good. How are you? You asking me or him, man? Well, oh. I'm good. Sorry. Not you. I don't care about how you're doing. I'm care about how Insania is doing. All right. Oh, um, go ahead. No, I'm good. We're still at, I'm still at the boot camp. We were just playing some pubs, chilling. So, you know, life's good right now. Yeah, yeah I bet it is. I mean, you guys undefeated in the major. The qualifiers there qualifying for the major. Obviously a pretty big deal. Uh, you know, what What was the reaction? Was it just like, you know, was it just like, oh, my God, that was that was easier than expected? Or you you think your practice has been paying off? What's the deal, man? I mean, we once we got home from China, we sat down and played a lot of pubs. Like me and Mickey played like 17 games a day after the patch dropped, and I think like in some sense, like we weren't really sure if our ideas were the best ideas, but we were confident that you know we could execute them. So it felt pretty good going into the qualifier, despite like we played some scrims which went terribly. I think we lost every scrim we played, but just because we played so much pubs, I think like I felt prepared for the games anyways, and it ended up working out. So. How much of those pubs were together or solo queue? Like, how often do you guys All party queue together? Repaired. All of them were paired? Yeah, like, I queued with Mickey, Foxy queues with Tommy mostly, hmm. and then Max will queue with either one of us when it fits. I see. Uh, yeah, so you almost always queue together. I think it's the easiest way to figure stuff out because you still need to like, know what's good with each other, right? So. so when you're, like, playing a new patch and you're, like, dual laning with your carry, like, how many sample games do you think you would need to feel confident on on like a specific lane setup being good or whatever i mean i think it it it's hard to say like it depends because i mean i think normally you go in with an idea like for example with this qualifier we played a lot of bristol coddle and i've been spamming it in pubs and like we had this idea that we thought it's good in the patch um and then you know we played it like maybe like 10 games something like that so i don't really know exactly but i think some lanes are probably easier harder Crystal was also like a newer hero for Mickey, so it took a bit longer. Do you guys do you guys feel like new patches suit your playstyle? Like I, I said previously before you got on that you guys are kind of a run and gun type of team, kind of flourish on outnumbering the opponent, kind of just creating a lot of chaos in in the game plan. And I thought that new patches would be good for a team like yours because not everyone's as refined. And you guys, I don't want to say you're like not refined, but you don't have like a rigid playstyle, you know. Yeah, I get what you mean. No, I think so for sure. I think when um, teams are less coordinated or they start, like, when there's big shuffles and stuff, right, where, like, kind of, like, coordination kind of resets a bit for a lot of these top teams, it's a lot easier to do, I think, what we do. So, yeah, no, I agree with you. It's good cool. for us. As one, I want to know your perspective as a captain. If you're just, like, going to this new patch and you're like, this is nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was nice. I, like, I really like the outpost. I think it's a cool mechanic that Dota was missing. So I really like that they added that. I mean, neutral items, I'm not really entirely sure how I feel about, but I feel like most of them aren't, like, so hugely impactful that they change, like, the game drastically, at least for the first, like, 30 minutes. Yeah. Dota still Dota. I, I think a lot of people looked at those neutral items, and kind of like you said right there, they looked at the Tier 4 and especially the Tier 5, and are like, oh, my God, this is broken, the most broken thing. But it's like, guys, this is, you know, 70-plus minutes, I believe it is, for Tier 5, right? Like, you're never yeah. really going to have it. And by that time, it's probably for the better anyways if a game's going that long, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Be, being that, uh, you know, of course, myself and having Insania, we go back to a game called Heroes and Newer, so naturally I have to talk about that as well. Uh, no, but Boxy did make a point in one of his tweets recently after you guys qualified that it he feels like, you know, coming from Han himself, this is a very Han-friendly patch, I believe, were the words that he used. Uh, you, you agree right there? Um. Yeah. I mean, I think... <laughs> I feel like every time, I don't know if you agree with this, but like every time they patch Dota, I just see more of Han in it. Um, yeah. 
So no, I mean, yeah, for sure. It's a great advantage for us, I think, because it's like the game keeps speeding up. The heroes seem like generally like faster. They fixed like a lot of these turn rate stuff that were quite different from Han. So overall Dota's had just been taking like moving in the same direction that I think Han did, where it's like faster gameplay, more reasons to fight or whatever, less farming creep. No smackdowns though yet. Still waiting for those. Come in Boxy's here. still spamming that taunt button. I don't know if you've noticed, <laughs> but he's like nonstop taunting in everyone's lanes. Uh, of course he is. <laughs> Classic Boxy. Do you think they should add the option to mute taunts for the opponent? No. Like, if... I mean, I, I think probably you should be allowed to mute Boxy. Like that should just be in a <laughs> something you can do. Like you just don't see his sets. You don't see his skins. You, you don't see anything that he does. You only see like this plain hero. That he's playing. Screw that, man. <laughs> I love the mental games. They're awesome. Uh, you guys, of course, beat Alliance to qualify in the end. Now, Alliance obviously also qualified after defeating Nigma, but you, the fact that you had to beat Alliance to go to the Major, I know you guys have a rivalry there, of course. Uh, what, what did that mean? Was it, were you extra happy to play them? I actually think, like, for myself, I don't really think about it as a rivalry or anything. Like, most of the guys on that team are my friends, and, like, we have known them since Han, you know? So I'm happy when they do well. Um, I know my teammates, on the other hand, they they love beating Alliance. I don't know if this is some like best in Sweden kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, or like Kings of the North <laughs> that we used to meme about before. Uh, so no, I mean, they, they love playing Alliance and, you know, getting to prove that we're better than them. Because I think it's like these close relationships of like Hanskin and Limp kind of has that thing going. My overall question was, obviously, I, I talked to you very briefly towards the end of ESL and, you know, you had a pretty... Now, now that you're having good results, I'll just say you had a pretty pathetic showing at, at ESL. And, we did. Uh, yeah, and I know you guys are aware of it. And I think that in Dota, it's very easy to get like in your own head, very easy to kind of sag yourselves out as a team. And overall, like, what do you think allowed you guys as a team to have like such a good mentality moving forward and were able to kind of change it, change it up so quickly in order to like figure your shit out, I guess would be my best description. I mean, I hate to give Blitz credit for anything, but I think he was actually a big part of it. Where like, um, I hate. I don't to give know. Him he he kind of. I understand. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe the words I'm about to say. No, but I, he really like. I think he picked us up and like he talked to us in a way where we understood and like these losses. I think actually kind of ended up helping us more than they hurt us, because you know ESL losing ESL and losing Rotterdam. I think it made us realize like how bad we are compared to where we want to be, and. Then for the major, we tried infinitely harder than I think we would have if we would have like sweeped those tournaments or done like placed in a like somewhat well where we're happy with our placement. So I think overall it ended up benefiting us to be there and not succeeding, I guess. Yeah, coming from a player who's had, you know, enough underwhelming showings to know how hard it can be on your mentality, I think it's <laughs> like for me, that's incredibly impressive just from a mental standpoint that you guys were able to like remain confident in what you were doing obviously had a pretty solid showing at the major and now like if anything going through those qualifiers that you just had like for me that's almost more impressive than the major was just because you're obviously competing with the likes of three of the top teams in the world so yeah no uh, I think a lot of goes to will. no i mean it goes a lot of credit goes to will i think he played a big part in that being a support player i am, I am curious how you feel about the uh, having your own courier how does that feel I mean, our team's biggest issue, I think, like in terms of like our relationships with each other, is mostly related to courier usage. Before. Yeah, you talked about this. I actually forgot yeah. about this. Really yeah, yeah, like all of our problems are always like courier related, where it's like the off lane needs a courier, the mid lane needs a courier, safe lane needs a courier. So this has been a great change for us, and I feel like people aren't really on top of sniping couriers so much yet. So we use them quite freely, but. It'll, get, it'll be interesting once I think people try to figure out like some kind of metagame around it where you know you have these Furions or Bounty Hunters or whatever running around trying to kill Couriers. You got the holidays coming up. Are you going to be taking a holiday break or are you guys going to keep grinding on through, grinding from the Major? So we have uh, another LAN before the year ends in Singapore. That's right, yeah. Wait, is that announced? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that came out, yeah. Okay, 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 it is an all sorry. <laughs> okay. I'll see you there, buddy. Yeah, BSJ is going to be there, that's right, I saw that. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, um, so we're doing that, and then after that we're taking a little bit of a break, but then pretty much straight after New Year's, I think like 5th or 7th, somewhere around then, we're going to start scrimming again. So, not too much of a break, but just enough to reset a bit. 
Yeah, it's coming up, man. And obviously, uh, wish you the best of luck. I, I do got to ask, you know, as cheesy of a question as it may be, but your expectations going into this next major. I mean, it's obviously even more competition now with teams like Secret competing. What mm-hmm. are you, what are your expectations? I mean, I think expectations top 16 would be nice. Hopefully, yeah. No, but hopefully, like, we can aim for top four. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Of course, uh, the end goal, TI-10 TI being in Sweden, that's that's a pretty cool feeling. What was your reaction when you heard about that? Um, honest thoughts? I mean, I don't really see Stockholm as like a TI city, huh. but um, I mean, that's Valve, right? So I'm sure they'll figure something out and make it amazing, just like all the other TIs. It's cool to be able to have all your friends there and family and stuff. So yeah. in that way, it's really nice. That's what I would think, yeah, being able to yeah. have it so close. Pretty cool feeling. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, BSJ, anything else? Nah, man, I've gotten to talk to my boy Insani as much as I could ask for. All right. We've had enough of you, apparently, now. Uh, Thank you for uh, joining us, though, as always. Always a pleasure to talk with you, man. Any shout-outs you want to make? Uh, Shout-out to Team Liquid for taking care of us and believing in us, even though we were ass in the start. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, shout-out to Blitz. He's a great coach and a great dude to have in your team. So uh, once he ditches us future teams, I recommend them highly. All right. Um, yeah, that's it. All right. Really do appreciate you coming on, man. I know it's really early, early in the morning for you. I'm sure you, you, it sounds like you've been grinding some Dota, though. Not surprising. But uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us, man. Yeah, no worries. Anytime. Yeah, good luck in the upcoming major, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye. All right. Insania, of course, uh, captain and support player for Team Liquid. It does feel it's still... I don't know. I'm still I'm still kind of getting used to that myself. The idea that it's Team Liquid now, not not Alliance anymore. But uh, obviously, it's come a long way, and it is cool to see the success. There's a little bias there again. I go back at the, a lot of the players, but um, hey, they, it still is a long season ahead. So it's it's a fun start. We'll see how they keep that momentum up. I am hopeful though with what, how they perform, certainly in the qualifiers. Yeah, I've like randomly run into a like obviously previous alliance now liquid. I've ran into them at a lot of like random events compared to uh, a lot of other teams. For whatever reason, my interaction with them is much higher. Like Dota Summit was a big one just because that's much more of a like close knit tournament, you know, playing a bunch of ping pong against them and stuff. So I know these guys pretty well for the short time I've known for the short time that I've uh, interacted with them. And they're just a bunch of good guys, man. Every time I talk about them, I'll just say they're a bunch of good dudes and i will always root for them so i thoroughly enjoy their approach to dota their outlook on life in general and i think that there's a reason why they're able to have the positive and like i really focused on the mentality for them just because they they're i can't imagine how much pressure there is accompanied with having that poor of a result to start the season uh and then representing an organization like liquid right there's just so much pressure that comes with that and to be able to make such a drastic shift in results is beyond impressive to me i know i said it to insania and i'll just say it again that the that is nothing to scoff at and they're just the type of team where if you don't know them well you know start paying attention because they are just so much fun to root for they're a fun team to watch they do their own you know they do their own shit like they kind of they kind of just feel themselves out and don't really care what anyone else is doing and in my opinion those are the funnest teams to to really get behind and follow closely so right, well, really what, always rooting for them what better time to do it than right now as well with the with the massive patch hitting certainly so yeah and as you touched on there i mean the one, one thing that does stand out for- to me for Insania specifically as that captain role compared to a lot of others is just his his always cheery attitude he's always upbeat despite you know going through some rough patches there at least from when I've talked with him you know behind the scenes with just the team who knows but uh, definitely my experience I can reiterate that as well Um, always fun joyful to be around and uh, good to see their success so Okay, uh, back to uh, back to the major qualifiers. So talked a bit about Europe, of course, and led into that Insania interview. But all the other regions definitely had their talking points as well. Um, starting with Southeast Asia. Now, Southeast Asia was okay. This is one of the, one region, and also South America had a similar circumstance where uh, in Southeast Asia, you know, TNC they won the last major. You figure, okay, they're they're going to be good to go. 
boy, was it close. They had to go to a third game in an elimination match to ultimately qualify uh, for the major after going 2-1-1 in the group stages. They actually went 0-2 against Reality Rift, which is at one of the teams that ended up qualifying. Uh, Reality Rift, a team with the likes of Drew, Alacrity, uh, KYXY, Hustla, and Nuts. Yes, there's some recognizable players there, but certainly not a team you would expect to uh, to OTNC. Again, I go back to new patch, sure. But just talking results right here, they had to go to a game three against Signal Ultra as a team name. And then there was an unfortunate circumstance in the third game where they were up. Uh, it was something like 10,000 hours. So that they had a lead, but then Signal Ultra all of a sudden DC'd. Their whole team just literally DC'd from the game. They waited a good 15 minutes, even a little bit longer than the allotted time, which is technically 10 minutes, and you're allowed to unpause. They, they still didn't come back. And it got to a point where the admin made the call, and kind of, that's a whole other topic. But point is, they unpaused the game. They finished from there. They qualified. So we had a little bit of drama there. But, uh, you know, first, really, the fact that TNC had to go to the very wire just to qualify for a major craziness. So Fnatic and Reality Rift, uh, the other two teams to join them. But uh, what were your thoughts on TNC and barely getting there? Uh, uh, the main thing I want to emphasize to the average viewer who, you know, it's hard to keep up with the nuances and the specifics of professional Dota, is this new type of patch, how much does it highlight the fact that how important team coordination is because the difference in skill level between tier one players and like tier two, tier three players really isn't that high. Like, yes, it's there, right. But it's overcomable by pure skill. And what separates these tier one teams from tier two, tier three teams is court team coordination, their ability to like be their full potential as a unit, right. To synergize their item timings, to like know their role in the game, as a unit and that's what really makes the defining difference and you can see that when a new patch comes out and that refineness of the tier one teams just isn't there yet obviously that these tier two tier three teams can actually beat them like it's you know it, it just shows how important team coordination is in dota and a team like tnc at the end of the day they are a relatively new team and yeah even though they're a new team last patch as well last patch was very figured out so that definitely kind of caters to a new team being more organized. And it just shows, man, like I, I don't really worry that much about TNC. I think SCA region overall is very high skill. And I think at the beginning of a patch skill is much more important than it is towards the end of a patch uh, where teams are much more coordinated, organized, refined in their strategy. I just keep saying those words because at the highest level, everyone's good. You know, it's got, it comes down to who, is the best together. And uh, that's why sometimes when you see a team like Liquid last year, now Team Nigma, when they replace, replace Matumba Man, who's clearly a world-class player, they go from getting underwhelming results to getting second place at TI. And that just comes down to how the cogs fit together. And uh, during a new patch, the cogs just aren't going to fit together all that well. Like, they're just not. Everyone's kind of, like, figuring their own crap out. You know, maybe... You all think there's five good carry heroes, five good offlaners, but you don't really know how they go well together, when they go well together, like who does what in the game, that kind of stuff. So um, I, I think that's the major takeaway for me for a team like TNC. And the fact that they got through, uh, I also, the last the comment I want to make is that tournament organizers, when it comes to like rules and pauses, they like leave it up in the team's hands to unpause the game to yeah. have some damn rules and unpause the game yourself turn organizers like march should not have to feel like a bad person for pushing the button you know what i mean like that's been around since the beginning of time like what's wrong with you tournament organizers like just take some responsibility put a hard rule in the book and if it's like if there's 15 minutes of pause in a game and it hits 15 minutes the other team should not have a choice of whether or not to unpause like why is it like a moral question for tnc to unpause the game or not like that's just so beyond crazy to me right like yeah 
that's just stupid. That that that's a whole other story. And I'm gonna, you know, if you want to comment well, on that, you can. I'm gonna leave it there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely have my take. I actually, as I just to reiterate my tweet that I sent shortly after it happened. In fact, in real time, I, I basically made the point again. Admins are the most thankless job in all of esports. I've, I've said that before. They only are in the spotlight when drama arises. Unfortunately, and yeah. just that's just part of the job, though. It's like referees in traditional sports. That's gonna be the case. I mean, but you take the job, you know that that is the case and you do your part to make sure that you're not in that situation it can't happen sometimes i understand that but yes the wording he used was if you want to unpause you can unpause the game and the fact that as you're pointing out you know you're giving the player you're basically putting it on the player the team whatever to make a decision to be this quote-unquote bad guy i've never been a fan of i I absolutely disagree with the to to say it like that as you said i I don't know about just straight up unpause the game but making a point being like okay it's been 10 minutes we are going to unpause the game please unpause the game you know something like that so but just make sure to not put it in the player's hands uh because when you do that then and there was backlash. There was other players on other teams that were calling out the the TNC players saying, come on, guys, you know, wh- why did you do that? You know, in their own words. And it, that's what happens when when the admin, unfortunately, uh, leaves it in the player's hand. So uh, I get OK. If people aren't aware, rules are like 90 percent of rules are made because somebody broke it at some point or like somebody abused the system. And they're like, well, shit, like, you know, we don't want that to happen again. Make a rule. It's like how many times is a team DC'd, right? Like that's happened countless times in the history of Dota. Like I understand if this is like a first time thing where, you know, tournament organizers never had to deal with it. I don't think the admin should be like the bad guy either. There should just be a rule in the book every time something like this happens where it's like, oh, like, okay, this happened with TNC. That's a shitty spot to ever have to put a team in. Let's make a rule from here on out where if this were to happen again, this is how it's ruled, no questions asked. And it's just like... That's the problem, right? I don't think there should be a bad guy. There should be a rule going in where, like, nobody has a choice. If this happens, you're out. You're saying saying Valve needs to make a rule book book for DPC? Like, uh, that's a silly thought, BSJ. The funny thing is it should be (laughs) Valve, but it doesn't even have to be Valve. You know, like, if a big organization that's running a tournament has this happen and they lay down a law about it, most likely other organizations are going to adopt it or like tweak it to themselves, but they'll make a rule as well. Um, you know, it, it's just a overall problem that people can have stuff like this happen and rules aren't immediately put in place to prevent it from ever happening again. That's my emphasis is that if something like a travesty like this happens, like how many times does this have to happen before somebody makes an official ruling so that it never happens again? This has happened like 10 times. It's like, well, at what point is it, do we have to stop discussing, you know, is TNC the bad guy? Is the admin the bad guy? You know, did signal, did Cigna signal get like screwed over? You know, like how about the rule says this, that happened, you know, like sucks to be signal that they DC, but like, that's what the rule says. So it can't happen. Um, I mean, it does suck that they DC, but uh, they will be able to try to make it back in the minor quals. Uh, it's always just unfortunate. I said, it's unfortunate when qualifier setups make it so that, not the best teams have a chance to go through, in this case, LGD. I also think it's also a travesty when teams have have stuff like this happen to them, but that's reality. It's going to happen sometimes. Sucks, but that's as long as there was a rule put in place, I would say it's an acceptable, unfortunate circumstance. Yeah. But now it's like a... Go well, ahead, go so ahead. well, back to the talking point of, of just TNC in general, and again, the fact that they had to squeak by here, and, and like I said, that they had a good lead at that point. So yes, were they likely going to win? Sure, but you never really know, and it, it is unfortunate for everyone. But back to the team's success itself, and I understand that yes, they are in the major, but this is kind of leaning towards what I talked about post last major, and yes, TNC won the last major, but as I was very. Um, passionate about and I still kind of am in the sense that I, I don't know if I see TNC as a team that I have high expectations for the rest of the season. I, I really don't and this is already kind of seeing that, a new patch and everything, sure but I, they're, they're all very very, very skilled players but when it comes to playing as a team together against the top, t- top caliber talent at these international events that's where I am the most concerned. The fact that they were down one nothing against a tier 2, tier 3 team from Southeast Asia is very concerning to me. So, um, I agree. You're not wrong. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how that continues to play out throughout the season. But 
just to make that point again. Uh, one last thing before we leave Southeast Asia real quickly. Uh, again, there were three uh, three spots, and we talked last week and the idea of what how many spots each regions were going to get. Uh, we 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 kind of you know went back and forth a little bit, but I I can't say. I saw this coming, but uh, it's clearly the fact that TNC won it. So Valve made the decision that Southeast Asia should get three spots. Uh, on top of that, Adroit, the other team that qualified for the major last time around, they actually finished last in their group, by the way. So they didn't even uh, contest, unfortunately, for them. Uh, but uh, three spots for Southeast Asia. Again, I'm not personally a big fan. I I still would have rather seen it ultimately perhaps in NA, but um, – that was a decision made. They gave it to them. And thus, Reality Rift, Fnatic, the other team, and then TNC. Right. I like overall that they made it so that the the regions that got three slots to the major got one to the minor, and then they gave NA, I believe, as well as uh, CIS two yeah. slots to, to the minor. I think that's like a pretty good compromise. You know, I already said I thought China should just get four slots to the major, but, sure. you know, I thought that was pretty extreme. I didn't think they would actually do that. Um so overall, like you have a close call. If a team deserves to go to the major, they'll win the minor. It's like you know easier. You know, it's not it's not as ideal as I make it sound, but uh, I don't think NA or SCA drastically deserves the slot more than the other. So I think there could be an argument either way. And since it's a judgment call that they made as close as possible, you know, they made it so one team gets the extra slot to the minor, one gets the extra, or one region gets the slot to the minor, one gets the slot to the major. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Like, that's an acceptable final decision in my book. Oh, yeah. Even even just the two, the top two teams for the minor, I, I still think I like that idea the most, actually. You finish top two at yeah. the minor, then you go rather than I like that. third spot to Southeast Asia. So, um, anyways, there you go. That, that's how it played it out, Southeast Asia. Moving to some other regions. China, uh, not much to talk about here. Just the results quickly. Invictus, Vici, and then Team Master were the three teams to uh, qualify for the major. Again, all three were at the previous one. Invictus threw the minor last time, but clearly they have found their groove, and uh, they're looking very good right now, finishing with Vici Gaming as a top two spot out of China. Any thoughts there? No, just travesty to not see LGD even in the closed qualifiers, but, you know, that's life. That's true. Other than that, like you said, pretty expected. (laughs) Uh, Moving on to – let's jump over to – uh, CIS. We got CIS. Now, CIS was actually kind of interesting because you had two teams, Virtus Pro and Navi, qualifying out of CIS. And technically, both of these teams didn't even play in last cycle's minor or major because they didn't qualify, kind of. Virtus Pro did qualify for the minor, but of course, they dropped out and there was a little bit of that <laughs> discussion we had there. But they played this time around. They got the top spot. Navi ended up beating Spirit in the elimination match to also claim a spot. So we're, we're back to the to the good old days of Navi and VP being back for CIS here. Yeah, I was pretty surprised at Navi's results last last round. So I, I'm happy to, like, based on their roster alone, I think they have, like, a pretty impressive group there. I believe they made one replacement going into this one, right? Uh, uh, going from first set of major. Ilias. To the... uh, yeah, Ilias joined their they... support player. Yeah, I think they replaced their captain, if I recall correctly. Uh, overall, matched, yeah. yeah, overall, I think that that team looked very impressive and was underwhelming in the first first run. So, uh, yeah, VP, same idea. I think they are a better roster than they were letting on to. I also just think they were ironing out the kinks of being a new team. You know, obviously, Rezo in a new position. Uh, and overall, if you look at the CIS region, their roster is the most impressive. So it's not exactly surprising at this point. Uh, look forward to seeing how they actually do in the major itself now that they're going to get the chance. Uh, that's the major deal for yeah. me. I'm not surprised at all that they qualified, but I could easily see them being a contender or just a flop going into the next major. Yeah, we'll have to see once uh, we have that all coming and previewing it and everything. But. Yeah, I mean, my initial reaction is I do not have high expectations. I continue to feel that CIS in general, it's it's the most chaotic region. There's going to be new teams every single cycle that qualify, and we had that case here for really the major, at least, and we'll see about the minor. So um, that's how CIS is turning up. Uh, Europe, uh, we've already – oh, we already talked about that. That's right. So Europe is good to go. Uh, <laughs> no point to go over that again. Uh, North America leads us to there, and do we have a result? 
Yeah, CG took yes. two over Fighting Pandas. Yeah. Okay, so as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, when we were recording this, EG was up one nothing against Fighting Pandas. Now, a couple storylines here, one being that where EG actually got dropped down to the lower bracket by Fighting Pandas. They lost in a three-game series, and then they ended up, of course, getting revenge. They had to defeat NIP and then Fighting Pandas once again to qualify. So it was close. They almost got knocked out of the minor, but they did indeed qualify. They joined Chaos. Chaos looked amazing, This uh, these qualifiers. Talk about a resurgence for them. Now, of course, they did get a new offlane player, DM, who is – I saw people in the chat, you know, saying even, like, who's this DM guy? He's he's kind of been a, up in – he's a high ladder player in the European region. He's been on a couple of teams. He's played mid-roll, I know, in the past as well. Uh, he likes to play some funky heroes even. So, uh, clearly, he fit well with the team, and they only dropped one game throughout the whole qualifiers themselves. So, they looked yeah, good. I played one pub with him. He's a, he's a very vocal guy. And he oh, yeah. seems to know his shit. Like, you can tell pretty quickly when a player knows more than you about the game just by the way they talk about things, the way they view the game. I played one pub with him, and I was like, yeah, this guy knows. He knows Dota. Uh, he was a very impressive player just from playing one pub with him. And uh, I think most notably, he's very vocal. And I know Yuar is not very vocal. <laughs> um, and I think that CCNC is vocal when his hero is supposed to be the one doing stuff. So I like for their most likely for their roster. I have to imagine that having a nice vocal offlaner is a big deal. I think that was probably a big hindrance for them when they had Sumail and you are on the same team. As far as I know, both of them are very quiet on average. Uh, and I think that obviously Saberlight was just a trial period. I thought this team looked amazing at the start of the season. Their roster, obviously the core MSS uh, as well as uh, CCNC. Uh, I think for me is they've just been powerhouses in the NA region as players, uh, you know, placing top eight or so at TI the last two years. I, I overall, uh, I guess they got 12th this year, but overall, like I, I look forward to seeing this team as the season goes on. I was very excited for them at the start of the season kind of got was like, wow, what happened after, you know, the first set of qualifiers, they're kind of the same as VP for me, you know, excited to see them went through a little bit of a bump. Uh, had to sort things out, whether it's getting used to new positions, replacing one player or whatever. Um, and here they are back. So uh, kind of like VP, Navi, Chaos, all of those teams kind of tell the same tale for me. Uh, and I think it doesn't really mean they're better than EG yet because they didn't have to play EG. Just the fact that EG kind of fluked a series against Fighting Pandas. I want to be very clear. For anyone who didn't watch the like the last series of EG versus Fighting Pandas, that that series was a joke. Like EG just looked above and beyond better than Fighting Pandas in that specific series. I unfortunately didn't get to see the series where Fighting Pandas beat them, uh, but EG pretty much just you know stomped them for two games in a row, uh, not even close. So uh, that to me. I have to believe it's kind of a fluke of the patch, the first series, uh, and obviously EG coming back. Yeah, they did have that little bit of a scare, but the fact that they came back and just crushed them says a lot about their quality of play. And overall, I think the two best teams in NA got the slots, and now it's going to boil down to, I think you have, okay, so you have Fighting Pandas and you have J-Storm. Who's the, oh, and NIP. NIP. I think it's going to be very, very fun to see who gets the two slots for the minor. Yeah, that's uh, again. They do get two slots for the minor, but as you've, only two of those teams can make it. And so you brought up, uh, you brought up NIP. I mean, obviously J Storm's another interesting talking point too. By the way, they they finished third place in their groups behind Fighting Pandas and Chaos. I mean, that's a tough group though, to be fair. So uh, there was that. So yeah, they're gonna play in the minor qualifiers. Uh, I'm gonna give a take on NIP, and I'm curious what you think about it uh, yourself. But we're sitting here talking about these teams that took off the first cycle and thus had to play in the open qualifiers. In my opinion, if you go from one region to another willingly, you should have to play in the open qualifiers because they might that that's almost the same thing to me. You, you literally are making the choice to just go from one region to the other. How is that fair to the other teams in there? In a sense, you took that first cycle off from that region. I feel like they should have had to play in the open qualifiers. Uh, so when, when I even saw them playing from NA, I was like, oh, that's just like a lot of people. It's like, wait a second, they're in NA. Uh, they were playing at the complexity headquarters from my understanding there. They were helping them out, actually. So, But I, I think they should have had to play through the open qualifiers. They didn't. They did get invited. But considering how everything else has played out, I don't think that was necessarily the most fair. You know, you did your 
rhetorical spiel earlier, the brief thing, I'll say, are you telling me there's inconsistencies and unfairness in the <laughs> process of something valve related? No way. You know, like I'm in completely, I mean, I'm in agreement. Like it's the same subject. Like if you weren't in the region, why do you just inherit a spot for that region? It's not like what NIP did last cycle was exactly impressive. And now they're in a new region. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Like, there's just no consistency. I don't have a problem with any individual ruling so far. Um, I have a problem with the overall consistency and reliability of the system. Like, as a player, as an organization, I don't feel like... You know, it's kind of similar when you're in a Dota game and you have a hero on your team. It's like, I have a gyrocopter i'm thinking this team this hero is going to mid-game team fight and he's eventually going to scale with these items it's like i there's a lot to be said about knowing what to expect mm -hmm. and like knowing reliably this is what that hero is going to do and i feel like a lot of things in dota tie into real life i feel like when you are operated by a rule system you should have some idea not perfect but some idea of what that system's going to entail like what is it going to look like and i i feel like with dota and overall the system that valve's implemented there's so many times where we'll talk to players in these interviews or we'll just talk to players in general and they'll just be like yeah we don't know we'll see like the first time we talked to ccnc and we were theory crafting how many slots there are and he's like is that confirmed you know <laughs> is that a thing like i don't know you know how how do you know you know <laughs> we don't so like why is that the tone that a player has to have yeah, <laughs> like true. the healthy level of skepticism that a player is required to have because the system is just so all over the place yeah uh you know we could go on for hours about that but that that's my overall issue i i'm in agreement that that's just yet another inconsistency yeah in the well again they, they did play it uh, as an invited team and like i said they're not going to be the minor qualifiers coming up so minor certainly going to be competitive in na as most regions i'm sure uh last region to talk about south america i think uh, Arguably the two expected teams, Beast Coast and Pain Gaming. Of course, Unknown was the team that qualified last time, so I guess you could be a little surprised about them. Uh, they ended up not getting out of their group even. They didn't even get to the minor qualifier, so Unknown having a bit of a hiccup here this time around. Uh, they'll have to wait for next cycle. But uh, Pain joining Beast Coast now, to be fair, Beast Coast had to go to the lower bracket. They were knocked out by Pain uh, down there, so Pain was the first team to qualify, but then Beast Coast uh, qualified as well, so... Not much else to say about SA, but uh, anything from your yeah, side? Yeah, those two teams just look heaps and bounds above the others. I think what defines most regions in terms of caliber is the Tier 3 teams in that region. Uh, like, I think NA and SA, for the most part, are the weakest regions. And, it, like, somebody in chat even mentioned how bad the open qualifiers for NA were. Uh, honestly, like, the top two SA teams, not all that bad. Top three NA teams, really not all that bad. But, like, once you take off, like, you know, after you get past the top five NA teams it's literally garbage. Like I like that's part of the reason why I've kind of like stopped playing in NA. It's like no offense to these teams. Like who name, name the sixth best team in NA. Salado. Uh, <laughs> uh, no offense. Like compare that to the sixth best team in Europe yeah, or yeah. sixth best team in I, SCA. I, I, like, I hear sixth you. Best team in the SCA is taking games off TNC, right? The, the sixth best team in NA will never beat EG in a series. Like not a single time ever. Like that's just never going to happen. Uh, same thing with us. I think SA is the weakest region on average. And so instead of five good teams, it's two, uh, you know, and after that, the drop off is just significant. And I think that's where you can kind of define a region is how good like the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth best teams are uh, in NA and SA for the most part. It's kind of a joke. So. Yeah, and we're talking about inconsistencies. This point is being brought up in chat real quick with SA and that Pain and Beast Coast actually were in the same group. That's actually surprising. Uh, they were both in Group A, and Beast Coast had one three and zero record. They actually had to play a tiebreaker match to even get to the major qualifier. Beast Coast so. is a weird team, man. They were yeah. also like going to beat IG in the major, and they were up by twenty thousand gold or whatever, and then lost two minutes later. So, you know, that's uh, that's Beast Coast for you. Anything can happen, I suppose, especially with this patch. So that's kind of the theme of the show and these major qualifiers. The patch, anything can happen. All right. I think uh, we've had a good show, though. Did our part covering the uh, the major qualifiers. Of course, we do have the minor coming up. And, uh, you know, we don't necessarily need to preview much more than that. Uh, we'll uh, talk about how it all ends up in, in next week's podcast, of course. But I believe uh, we're good to start wrapping up. So, BSJ, as always, anything else before we do? 
Nah, man. Glad to. I'm honestly glad we pushed it back a little bit this week, just so we could talk a bit more about the results of the of the qualifiers. And looking forward to seeing the final, how it all plays out in the minor. I think there's a decent amount of variance in some of these regions when it comes down to who's going to qualify for the minor. Uh, looking forward to seeing Nigma. Looking forward to seeing how NA plays out, especially. And that's always good, you know, yeah. to think that the minor qualifiers are also going to be interesting. I think that's important for the health of the scene and overall the entertainment value. And always having good teams go to the minor, I think, is really exciting as well because fact is viewers watch for the teams rather than the actual Dota, you know. Like they like the quality of Dota in terms of spectator sport is just that much higher when you have teams like Enigma and stuff like that. So Yep. I'm happy. It's great news for We Play. Of course, they're getting their first DPC <laughs> event and uh, excited that they are. They definitely deserve it. And uh, we'll see what they, what kind of show they put on eventually at the minor itself. But of course, it qualifies as we're recording the show starts tomorrow. In fact, technically later tonight for the China region and over the next couple of days. So definitely look forward to that and into the weekend here. Uh, as far as myself, uh, again, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, both myself and PSJ happen to be going to Montreal. Going to be, Well, you're going to be competing <laughs> at WESG. I'm going to be watching and talking about your play and criticizing it. That's what I do as a yeah, caster. You'll so. be nice, I'm sure. Very nice, not really. Uh, I'll try to hold Tsunami back, though. <laughs> but uh, no, that is going to do it for our Wombo Combo Podcast episode number nine, I want to say. Anyways, we're, we're, we're still going, and we, we plan to keep going. We are getting up. They're almost double digits when it comes to our shows and uh, again I, I feel like this is just the beginning obviously still earlier on in the DPC season so hopefully you guys enjoyed a Wednesday night show we'll be back next week until then ladies and gentlemen have a good night we'll see you then thanks again to Insania by the way for joining us as well whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.